Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, all's well. Some fresh snow and more to come, which that's super exciting around here. Welcome, folks, uh, tuning in online this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10, if you want to turn there uh, in your Bible. And um, we're going to be in our uh, series on discipleship. We're continuing that. We'll probably take that up right up to uh, Easter time. And um, this morning, we're going to drill in on this idea of, yes, growing faith and growing testimonies. But growing faith births growing testimonies. God works inside us so that he might work through us. So I just want that to kind of land, and this is where we're going to break down Luke 10 and just see what does this look like. And uh, this is a key aspect of discipleship, right, of understanding that God doesn't just call, it doesn't save us and love us and, and restore us on the inside just to have some kind of, you know, selfish, you know, uh, religion type of thing. But he, he works, he brings salvation, he, all the blessings of the internal work so that he might work through us, right, and be a part of his kingdom work and uh, a part of what he's doing in the world. And that is faith, right? So faith is not just some intellectual you know, thing, and it's not just something that can better my life, though it does all of that. Faith, God saves us so that he can bring us into fellowship with him so that we can be a part of his business, as John 15 says, right? And God can work through us. So that's what uh, we're going to drill in. Now, before we dive into Luke 10, if you'll flip over to Luke 11, I just want to start our time and then pray, but I want to... Um, We've been going through in this, if you're joining us online or just here visiting, um, see some faces uh, back, which is awesome. And uh, we have just been journeying through the Gospel of Luke and just diving into the, to the passages, specific, specific passages dealing with um, discipleship and what it means to actually follow Jesus. This uh, year we're in what we're calling our People Building Project. And discipleship is the first of one of several main key things that we want to focus on this year and is really breaking this idea down. What is discipleship and uh, how do we build a, a church that has a discipleship culture, right? The, in the, the command, obviously, God gives us go, right? Jesus says, and make disciples, teaching them all that I've taught you. Um, so that's what we've been doing. And so I just want to tag this Luke 17 verses 5 and 6 back to Luke 10. And uh, this is what it says. Remember, Jesus is, is falling along. Uh, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's got his 12, his inner circle. He's got a larger group of 72, which he's going to send out, which we're going to see this morning. Then he's got a larger group, a larger crowd that he calls his people in, um, into, out of the crowd, into the core of discipleship with him. And along the way, and this isn't the only time that disciples said this, or the apostles, but they said to him, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And that was a regular response of the disciples when they heard Jesus' teaching. It wasn't sitting back, well, I don't know how, you know, wow, that's overwhelming or, or whatever it may be. But the, the general response was always, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And, and this is Jesus' response. He says, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would, be, and it would obey you. Wow, what a response. 
And this is like so many of Jesus' promises to us. We read them, and we're, especially his discipleship passage, we read them and we're like, whoa, what do I do with that, right? Um, what do I do with that? So let me just start by, as we move into chapter 10 here, just to set the tone that our response, when you, a church, and we're going to see this in Luke 10, is who we hang around, the culture of our church, and even the town we live in has an impact on our faith and an impact on heaven as God looks upon that city, that group of people, that group of believers. In other words, we said all the time, but it's who we hang around has the greatest impact for our life. And if we want to be people of faith, we better have faith friends. We better have people who are pushing us on, right? And ideally in discipleship. That is the primary context for, for um, developing faith friends and uh, that are going to push us on to everything that God right, has for us here. So um, the response needs to be in building this faith culture is, boy, am I responding to when, man, when I read something tough in the scripture or when I hear something preached tough or when I hear things out there, do I have this inside me, do I have a sense of, Lord, increase my faith? Is that built into, is that my natural response to something? Or, which we see in America today more, is a stepping back many uh, to say, oh, you're making me feel like I don't have enough faith, Right? You're making me feel this way. This is the culture we've created and actually coddled in our culture today. You will find none of that in the scripture. You'll find the right response should always be, Lord, increase my faith. Right? If something hits me hard, right, I need, and, and folks, this is nurtured in discipleship. This is nurtured in the culture that we establish as a family, as a church family, is one of faith, a faith culture, which is we're pushing one another on. As Derek led us, right, in the passage of, boy, are we praying for the impossible things? Are we pressing in on these things um, and laying hold of Scripture, not stepping back from these hard things in the Scripture, but actually stepping in with faith and prayer and locking arms, right, with each other? Now, what is Jesus' response? Again, a crazy response, right? What do we do with, you know, this is the thing that amazes me. If you read the text and you read what Jesus says to us, he never puts a limit on what you can experience. Do you know that? He never puts a, well, but, no, well, but. Never. He, 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 the promises of God. And you, what does he say? Luca, if we step back to the 13, he says, your father's a loving father. He desires what? To give you even more of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. More of himself to you. Who's asking? Who's pressing in? All the promises are here. There is no limit on what we can have in this, in this life. Um, he never, when it comes to sanctification, becoming holy, he never puts a limit on it. You know that? He says, be like me, be holy like God is holy. He never says, but you know what, in this life, you know, you're just human. Never use that language, folks. Do you realize when you're redeemed, you're not just human? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside you. You are not just human. You're not just bound to your flesh any longer. You're a redeemed creature, and you're to be holy as God is holy. And, and there's nothing, all the promises are there. It's just a matter of how, what do we want? And that's faith. And here's the deal, gang, is sitting in church, doing Bible study, all these things are great, right? But the context that the scripture gives, what Jesus did, is the context of discipleship. If you want to catapult your faith, right, it, you need to be discipled. And then, so that I can then be a disciple maker, right? The Great Commission wasn't just to a few, you know, wasn't just to the 12. It was to anybody who follows Jesus. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And teaching them everything that I've taught you. And lo, I'm with you always, right? And, and so we constantly have to ask the tough question, who are my disciples? Who are my disciples? 
Um, and, and, and again, that's overwhelming for us. And I'm willing to bet that most of us, I'm going to generalize here, but I'm willing to bet most of us have grown up in a church context that basically, like Dallas Willard said, is, has allowed us to think that we can be Christians and not be disciples. We can be Christians but not obey the great commission of God. Um, and don't, don't be overwhelmed by that. If there's a sense of, wow, I just don't know to do that. Or, or if there's a stepping back, well, I'm not worthy. Or, gosh, in my past, I had this happen. Or, I just don't know enough. Or, of, remember, look, Moses, he went through all the excuses. It doesn't work, right? God says, come. I, I will, you step into church, you step in willing to be obey, obedient to my word. Guess what? I'll equip you. I'll bring the, the, the blessings of heaven into your life. He's looking for children who are willing to be obedient, right, and step into those, into those formats. And, and what is this idea of faith? What is faith? It's something we need to wrestle with, again, deeply and always as a body of believers. What is faith itself? And Jesus says, if you had faith like a mustard seed, if you have faith like that, what, so there's so many things we could say here, but just getting us prepared to get into chapter 10 is that the simplicity of this is the mustard seed begins what? Very small, and it grows into something very large. Faith is not to be stagnant. And folks, here, I, I just want to be blunt and honest with you because I'm giving you a test of my own life. When I get into a routine of just going to Bible study or just attending church or just what, listening to a podcast, those are all good things. Outside of the context of discipleship where I'm locking arms with a group of men and we are praying for each other and pushing each other not just to have God do something in us, not just to answer my personal prayer request, but to move. What does it mean to be followers of Jesus, disciple makers of God, and actually pushing each out, out to take risks for the kingdom of God? Otherwise, we'll be stagnant. We'll never, we'll never really... What does it mean to, to grow my faith? How do I grow my faith? And we, again, in our American Western context, think that that's mainly an intellectual endeavor. Yes, that's part of it. But what we'll see here is that intellect has to move. There has to be a challenge to step out. And we're going to see what this looks like here in, in chapter 10 now. So turn back to 10. And um, let's just dive in here. I'm just going to walk through. Hopefully, we'll get through 20 verses here. And I'm just going to scratch the surface. But I'm going to just give some, there's some tough stuff here. But amazing stuff. And again, our response should not be, we can't, we, 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 in other words, none of us can come to God with excuses. None of us have legitimate excuses. Do you know that? The gospel covers all excuses. I can never come to God. Lord, I, I just don't have the intellect. I don't have the IQ. Lord, I have a really terrible past. Lord, I'm, a, I'm just human or whatever you, we want to throw in there. You can never stand before God with any excuse. Do you know that? None of us can that's what the, God, the amazing thing of the gospel, it just takes all that, covers all of our sin. He makes every one of us adequate. But we live in a culture that what? Blame, shame, right? We just get hunkered down with our excuses. And what does it do? It robs us of life. And it robs us of faith, of actually growing our faith into the abundance that Jesus right, calls us into in this partnership with God. And so we, we pick up with Jesus and the disciples and the larger group of disciples as he's moving towards his ultimate mission, which is obviously to go to the cross um, for us. And we pick up in chapter 10. It says, after this, meaning tying back to the previous chapter, that Jesus had just sent out the 12 apostles. He'd empowered them, sent them out to preach, proclaim the kingdom of God, and heal the sick. And now, he says, after that, the Lord appointed 72 others 
and send them on their, ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Now, um, I have to it, it, just, just kind of put ourselves into the scene here, right? And you've been following Jesus for a while. Let's just say we're a part of the crowd. And at first, we're like, wow, what's going on? We're hearing some of this tough stuff, you know, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily if you're going to follow me. Um, let the dead bear their dead, but you come, follow me now. All these things, like, wow. And you're listening to this. And, you're, and remember, here's the other thing, folks. You know, Jesus did not explain any of, the, any of what he said to the crowd. He didn't coddle them. He didn't ever explain it to them. He left it with them because what he, he wanted the hungry. He wanted those who heard it like, wow, what does that mean? Increase my faith. Let me step in. Let me hang around more. Let me, let me, let me uh, wrestle with that text. God, what, do you, what does that mean? Rather than sit back and go, oh, that just doesn't make me feel good. That's where we're at today in America. Right? And what does the scripture say? It says, in the end, they, people will gather together because they want their ears tickled. They want something that's going to make them feel good. Oh, it's going to encourage me. Lift me up. I need to be lifted up. That the scripture deals with. That person is not open to the things of God. Jesus clearly said hard things in parables and everything else because he wanted to stir something deep inside people's souls of, are they hungry, genuinely hungry for God? Or are they just gonna go about the thing, their life in the world and everything it has to offer, right? And so he's going along and there's larger crowds building and and uh, obviously he's called, he's established his inner circle, the 12. He's, he's, he's spent life with them, pouring into them, loving them and equipping them and sending them out now, right? Remember, the end. First, Jesus called them to be with him. They might establish their, their position, their identity in Christ. Then he sends them out. He puts them at risk, right? To be a part, to expand their faith, to grow their faith, right? And I just ask you just a simple little thing is that... Um, it says here that he appointed these 72. And uh, I have to believe that the other crowd is sitting. They see the 12 go out. They hear the testimonies. They're like, wait a minute, those are, that's my buddy Peter. He's just a fisherman, and I saw him heal the sick. What should be the response? I want that too. God, Jesus, get me in the game. Get me off the bench. Let me be, I have a part of that. Wow, those are, those are my buddies. I lived in Galilee with them, and look what they're doing. That's just old Pete. I knew him before. He, what, you know, I can't believe Jesus called him. But man, if he can heal the sick, right? I mean, but what do we do? We sit back and we think we get all wrapped up with, I can't do that. That's somebody else's job, right? And the folks, listen to this. He says he appointed 72. So again, why 72? And oh, we could get into the number, but the bottom line, it's a larger group of people who are not the 12. What's the point? It's for everybody except the ones who are hungry, the ones who are on the outside walking along saying, I want in the game, Jesus. I'm ready to get in this. I'm ready to go. Even with all my, Peter can do it, great, Scott, I can do it. Right? Who, who is willing to get in the game? You know, discipleship's the key fundamental aspect of that. Am I willing to be discipled? Because that's a vulnerable thing. It's a time thing. It's a commitment thing. And am I willing to take another step and actually at some point actually get with two or three other people and disciple them? Wow, right? So the Lord, it says, after this, the Lord appointed. Folks, there's a lot in that word. Here's the just, I'm just gonna touch on a few things here. I hope they land and the Spirit of God will, will take them. Um, folks, God has appointments for you. 
You're not just living your life, wherever you're at, wherever you're at watching online, wherever you're at this morning, is you're not just randomly flobbing, just kind of stumbling through life, making it up. The reality is a person of faith, a person who's redeemed, a person that wants, invites God in, God has appointments. The biggest appointment that you had to begin it all was the appointment to be saved, to know him, to be redeemed. And after that, now you're one of his children and he has appointments. The question, he's looking for children every morning. They're going to get him and go, God, what do we got today? What kind of appointments? What kind of divine appointments? Who can I pray for? Who can I proclaim to? Who can I serve? And on and on and on, right? He's got appointments for you. Don't ever think, don't buy that lie of the enemy that, you know what, you're just kind of struggling through life. And no, every circumstance in your life is is valuable and important and it should be God-infused. And we're going to get a little deeper in that here in just a second. And then he goes on, verse 2, and he says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest. <clears throat> so, um, and interesting. He just sent the, he appointed the 72 to go out, and he says to them, Hey, earnestly pray. The harvest is plentiful. Realizes that, don't get this idea, and this really convicts me because I think, you know, this valley from Aspen to Glenwood per capita is one of the least churched per capita areas in all of our country. And you know, this is, there's not many, there's not much evident yet hunger for God. And again, we have all that the world is able to supply here that is used always. Wealth, folks, always isolates. Wealth will always, its natural force is to isolate us from needing God and needing others in community. And you have to, when you're given a stewardship, you have to press in extra powerfully to make sure that the money and the the comforts that we all have, we're all wealthy, that they don't move us right away, right, from the desperate dependence on God, okay? And so... Uh, my own premise, and you've heard many say it before, but this town, which we'll see in the scripture, why is it so important? Why did Jesus not send these 72 or the 12 out to go do humanitarian work? You see nothing in here about feeding the sick, water wells, go down those. Don't get me wrong, those things are all critically important. But the priority is what's most important. Proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Go heal the sick. And in the midst of all that, you know what? Yes, pick up your, get, get to work, serve and love people. But do not reverse these. This is where we're at today in the progressive um, you know, uh, church. And um, that's not, you won't find it anywhere in the scripture, right? And, um, and so this, this idea of the labors is that he says the harvest is, is, is get your eyes, it's coming. And just have faith for it. And he says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send the labors into his harvest. It's the Lord's harvest, not yours, not mine. I can't see it. Uh, without revelation and without living the idea, the Lord, you have an appointment for me today, is you've got a harvest. You're working on people's hearts and, and, and help me get in line with your will, Father. This is where life gets real exciting. This is where faith comes alive. And the three things just simply to hold on to for a disciple, and these are learned in the context of discipleship. First is prayer, is that this should be the first thing we learn is how to talk to God, how to really talk to God, how to really to press in right to the throne. And, and part of that is he says earnestly. 
That word actually means kind of almost beg God, Lord, please, right? In other words, what does that do? It helps me get a heartbeat for my community. Lord, please send out labors, Lord, that would bring your love and power to this community and open hearts, right, for you. Second thing is be equipped. Jesus didn't send anybody out without first equipping them and very importantly, empowering them with the power of the Spirit of God. Same in the book of Acts. Jesus said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until what? Until you know you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Until you know that the Spirit of God is on you and has come and showered upon you. So be equipped. Prayer, be equipped as a laborer and then get sent out. Be a laborer, right? And the church is here, what, to Ephesians 4, to equip the saints, to be laborers that God would send out. And all along, we should be praying, Lord, more labors, more labors. And see, here's the deal. When we, when we pray, God, will you send out labors? What we're praying for is, Lord, is please raise up people that can be discipled, and I need to make myself available to equip them and disciple them that they might be effective laborers in your harvest. And it's his harvest, as it says. And in verse three, he says, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. How's that land with you? I don't know about you, but we are very comfortable people. We love our security. I do. Faith is risk. Bottom line. And folks, from the beginning of the Bible, and this is what causes such a hard problem in the Old Testament today and into the New Testament. And, and it just drives me insane when people start defining Jesus as some social justice lovey-dovey thing that you'll never find in the text. Okay, his words, read his kingdom parables. He says things just as harsh, just as profound as anything in the Old Testament. So it's like, what Bible are people reading? Right? And so, in other words, Jesus and God, he will always put his children he loves at risk to redeem this world. Faith is risk. Stepping out, depending on God. What does he say? If you're going to follow me, this isn't maybe you can't. He says, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself and what? Pick up your cross. And folks, again, we don't quite get that, but in this, they clearly understood because they saw people dying on crosses. They clearly understood what Jesus said. Pick up your cross. In other words, come be willing to die for me. Right? In other words, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have persecution. You're going to be rejected. Are you willing to be rejected for me, for my sake? And that's why the Sermon on the Mount says, blessed are those, blessed are you. Rejoice when people reject you because of what? Proclaiming his name, right? And um, man, we've, we've got to restore this, right, in, in our day and age. And, and um, <laughs> it's the heart of God. He's got something more important for you than your comfort and security. You know that? We're gonna come to it here at the very end. Your eternal, when you understand that your name's written in heaven, that you're in the Father's arms and Jesus' arms and nothing can snatch you away, guess what? Is that there's a, a freedom. This is how they lived, is that, what did Paul say? Hey, to live as Christ, what? Dies gain. I, I know my eternity. I know who has me. I know that I'm untouchable by evil. And we'll see that here in just a minute, right? And so therefore, I, Lord, I'm available. Your appointments, I'm, I'm willing to risk for the sake of the kingdom of God. And folks, again, this is something that, man, you, you're, if we sit in there going, wow, that's just, whew, 
That's how we should respond. It shouldn't be a stepping back. It should be a stepping into it, into the, into the crowd towards Jesus. Jesus, increase my faith. Please, God, deal with my insecurity. Please, God, deal with my fear. And you know what? He will. He will. He'll raise up. He'll, put, he'll get you in a discipleship group. And you know what? You'll start to have the testimonies and faith will rise. And I'm going to share some of those here in just a minute. I got to hurry. So he says, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet one another. Don't greet anybody on the road. In other words, don't be distracted. He says, 72, be about the mission I called you to, right? Oh, so much we can say here. How distracted are we today? Think about the distractions in your life. Let me just, ah, I'm going to just say this real quick. Okay, um, uh, and this just hit me so hard this week. Folks, distractions aren't just distractions. They rob us of life. If you let social media, if you let this or that or a TV series or whatever, just go to the list, whatever it is. If you let distractions distract you, it is robbing you of life. That's the magnitude, right, of what, what he's saying here. And he goes on, he says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be, and, and the, why do you, don't take any of these things? Because he wants them to learn dependence on him. He wants, he wants them to realize that, man, all this, I, I can't put my, my security in the things of the world, in my bank account, and my credit card is, I need to, and folks, if you've never been in a place where you just really had to depend on God, we can't grow our faith. Faith doesn't grow. Right? This is why we're brought into the wilderness, and this is why suffering comes. Is I've got to learn, wow, Lord, I, I, my money can't get me out of this thing. My mind, my intellect can't get me out of this thing. I, I guess I've got to learn to depend on you on this, right? And um, so it, it moves into, so that's just a dependence thing. It's very interesting, folks. We get to Luke 22, just make a note and go look at it. And Jesus, in the end, he says just the opposite. Says, now that I'm going to the Father, now take a knapsack, now take a money bag, and now take a sword. It's a whole nother discussion. Um, but take it, look at it. <clears throat> he goes on, he says this, when you enter a home, enter and, and say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in that house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the labor deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. In other words, right? don't bounce to a better offer. Right? Stay plugged in with the person that opened their home to you. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in the city. It doesn't say pray. that they, He says heal them. So I... Uh, boy, again, I just give this to you. Think about it. This just hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like, wow. He sent the 72 out and says, go heal the sick in the city. Do you know that's our responsibility? Yeah. Do you know that that's kingdom work? Heal the sick. Don't just pray for them. Go heal them. You see, if I just pray for them, guess what? I get off the hook. Well, I prayed. And then I'll have to wrestle. Go heal them. Go heal them. In other words, we should be praying for those appointments. Lord, who can I pray for today? Who can I pray for today? And we're not responsible, right, for the outcome. However, if we're not, we're called to continue to labor and intercede and to wrestle with, Lord, please move. And why is that? Because that brings the love of God. And here I'm telling you right now, the intellect and the money and the power in this city, until Aspen, Colorado sees signs and wonders and miracles, things they cannot explain, this town will not experience revival on a larger scale. But when you are walking through city and you know somebody, you lay your hands on them and they are healed on the spot and that testimony goes out, you're going to get some people's attention. And that's exactly why Jesus commands us. What, and I ask you, in the churches we grew up in, why, why 
Did you ever hear this? Were you, were you ever given the responsibility to go heal the sick in your city? Were you ever sent out at risk to go pray for the, for the sick? No. I'm going to just generalize again. And we therefore have missed completely the context of discipleship that God has given us, right? Go heal them. For, and say that the kingdom of God has come near. But whenever you enter town and they don't receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. And I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of, for Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Now we're going to um, come to that in just a minute. Let me step back and just say something about the person of peace. I'm going to give some testimonies from our folks in India about this. Oh, Southeast Asia. Um, so, uh, folks, do you realize what you carry with you? If you know Jesus, do you realize what you carry? You carry the presence of God. The Holy Spirit, yes. The Holy Spirit is in your soul. The power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's in you. And, and God put it in you to save you and redeem you so that wherever you walked, you would be a bring shalom into the chaos. You would bring resurrection power into the darkness. And as soon as we start waking up to realize who we are, what we've been redeemed, and the people we are, it will change how we walk. It will change uh, the context of, of when we're in a room or whatever. It says when you enter a home, right, it says bring that peace. If someone invites you in to their table, right, is that you're to let your peace, peace be to this house. Bring a blessing of God upon that house. Pray for that house. Does that make sense, gang? We need to wake up to realize you are a person of peace and what you have will follow you and God wants to use that in a, in a powerful way. Again, I'm going to get to share some testimonies about this. It's really cool in a second. But it goes on. And he says, and if they reject you. And folks, again, how many, the theme through the Luke here is how consistent is it that Jesus was just like, you're going to get rejected. You're going to get rejected. I'm sending you out sheep as wolves. You're going to get rejected. You're going to get persecuted. And all along the way, they're constantly being rejected, like Jesus was. Why is it that in the American context, we've done everything we can do to not be rejected? In the process of that, we are more concerned about pleasing culture and man than we are pleasing God. And you know what? Faith will never grow. We will water down the gospel. We will water down the commands of God. And faith will not grow in that context. And so he says this, if they reject you, he, um, he says, knock off the dust, move to the next town. And then Jesus gets real personal here with some of the towns he was in. And he says this, I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of Sodom and Gomorrah um, than that town, a town that rejects the gospel. Now, folks, I want you to tune in to think about something here, the, con the connection between personal faith and corporate faith. This is something we need to understand how this works. Your personal faith, my personal faith, is radically impacted and connected with the corporate faith of this church. Our faith is intimately connected to the faith culture of what happens in Aspen, Colorado and our willingness and obedience to go out and be laborers and salt and light with the good news. And listen to what he says. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. These are cities around the Sea of Galilee that Jesus ministered in and performed many miracles and preached the gospel. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which is outside of Israel and up north, right, pagan land, let's just say, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the, uh, in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. 
And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you shall be brought down to Hades. And here he sums it up. The one who hears you, hears me. So the one who hears you, the person of peace that hears and wants to talk about Jesus and hears the gospel, Jesus says, they hear me. You're a labor. You are a person that is helping to connect. It's through your obedience and love of that person that that person actually gets connected to Jesus. And he says, and if they, he goes on, he says, and if they reject you, they reject me. And if they reject me, he goes on to say, they reject my father. See this intimate connection, right, that takes place here? Let me just go to this next section here. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even now, now, now it's testimony time. They're sent out, like risky business, like, wow, you know. And what, how are we going to do that, God? Again, when, when somebody tells me, go heal the sick, it's like, whoa, you know. All right, Lord, increase my faith, right? Be with me, right? And they come back, look at this, with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Wow, what a turn of... So they come back with joy because they're giving testimony. Lord, you wouldn't believe this person we, del- we saw delivered, this person we saw healed, this person that received Jesus. And they're giving testimonies of, of, wow, God, you actually moved through me, used me with you to accomplish something. Faith just skyrockets. Right? Without testimony, faith can't skyrocket. And remember, growing faith is growing testimonies. Those two go hand in hand. Okay? And the problem in the American church is we have presented a discipleship of Christianity that says that there can be this continued growing faith. Yeah, we all have seasons of wilderness. We all have seasons of, of just intellectual equipping or whatever. But here's the deal is nothing keeps us from stepping out, right, and seeing and expecting a testimony, an appointment from God, and to be faithful to step into it. That's when faith really, right, takes off. That's why we make time for it here on Sundays, right at the end. And I'm hurrying so we can um, and, and get this, is he says, I've given you authority. And this is all the demonic realm. I've given you authority, and no one's going to be able to hurt you. Now, what that means is he surely doesn't mean physical hurt. What does he mean? He means ultimate hurt. Remember what Jesus says earlier, don't worry about the one who can kill your body. Fear the one that can, what? Destroy your soul. Put your fear in the right context. Don't fear the things of the world. Don't fear death itself or, or physical ailment or problem. Fear God who will deal with your soul one day, right? Um, <clears throat> but then look at this, and he swivels it around because here's the deal. They come in and they, they're all like, wow, look what happened. Look what, look what we did. And Jesus swivels it. Hey, be careful because if you put ministry before maturity, you'll get into dangerous land. But don't forget that ministry and maturity must go together. And the thing that you should always be continually to rejoice in is always come back to the foundation. We're his. We know the end of the story. We're his. Right? He has redeemed us. Our names are written in heaven. I just want to stop there and ask online and here. Are you absolutely sure? 
that your name is written in heaven? Are you absolutely sure that Jesus knows your name, that you're his, that you've been redeemed? And if you have any doubt at all, please, we'd love to pray with you. Because the scripture is going to say we're to be confident about that issue. All this junk today and the, the uh, oh, this whole nother, I'll get on rabbit trail. This idea of embracing doubt, folks, I think is extremely dangerous. Extremely. You embrace doubt, guess what that's going to do? It's going to rob you of faith. Right? And we're not talking about some certainty, something that I'm saying something but not really experiencing it. No, the Bible says very clearly these things, First John especially, have been written that you may know Gnosis, absolutely assurance that you are his, that you're saved. Without that assurance, guess what? Man, we're like a ship. It's tough stuff. And this is the inner work that God wants to do. The assurance of who we are builds us up so that he can effectively move, right? And here's what I said before. Ministry gets ahead of maturity. If I get out there and start ministering and doing these kind of things with God, and I could go to Matthew 7 on, on this. Matthew 7, Jesus says some amazing things. He says, on that day, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, um, will enter heaven. And he'll say, Lord, Lord. He says, I'll tell them I don't know them. He said, but Lord, we've prophesied. We've cast demons out. We perform miracles in your name. And Jesus says, I don't know you. Whoa. Ministry got ahead of maturity. Ministry got ahead of the foundation of my identity in Christ in that situation. Those have to go together. And the context for that, folks, is discipleship. Locking arms with other people, being perfectly vulnerable, perfectly honest with our struggles of doubt or, or whatever it is or my faith struggles and having men or women pray and hold me accountable and push me on for mutual encouragement right, to grow in my faith, not to stay stagnant, but to lay hold of the promises of God that testimony would rise right in the midst of, of that story. That makes sense? And um, so with that said, Man, we covered a lot of territory. I just skimmed the server. Hope you take that, folks. Remember, growing faith is growing testimony. This, what we just read, is not for, oh, that was them back then. It's not for, applicable to us today. Um, that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a watering down of God's word in a very weak, pathetic discipleship that is actually been embraced across America and has kept people from truly growing right in their faith. Now, what I want to do, and um, Derek, you can come on up whenever, and uh, I want to read a couple testimonies, and then we're going to have time for you guys to share this morning. Um, and uh, uh, many of you know Rick and Colleen, who we sent out, part of your family here, who serve in Southeast Asia. And, um, <clears throat> and boy, what a joy. We're going to be doing uh, some more trips, so you'll get an opportunity for this. But um, they send them out on Luke 10 trips. They call them Luke 10 trips. And here's just um, a few testimonies from the team that Rick and Colleen works. Folks, these are all men who have been redeemed out of Islam into Christianity, right? At the cost of putting their entire home and families and children at risk every day for Jesus, okay? And um, so here it is. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to not read the names for obvious reasons, but these are um, two of the leaders that took eight people from their Jamaat. Jamaat is a house church, basically, and went to five villages and shared with 39 people. Um, there were persons of peace in two families. So as they went and shared, they were invited into two homes. They continued a relationship with these two homes. And the, the husband and father in one of the families had a cyst on his eye that the doctor said he needed to, an operation. The, man, uh, the men um, that went fasted and prayed for him. 
He went back to the doctor and he said the operation was no longer necessary. People in that family and neighbors are now acknowledging that God has healed him. There's the testimony. They want the men to return to tell them more about Jesus and the gospel. They said that they still experienced persecution from others in the villages, such as being refused work, um, water to drink, mocking, criticism, but nothing worse yet. They gave their fears to God and trusted that he would be with them. In light of what we just read, these other two leaders, three leaders, along with nine people from their Jamats, went to four villages, shared with 56 people and three families. One family wants to know more. They prayed for one son in the family who had intestinal problems, and he was healed on the spot. They are familiar with the prophets such as Moses, Abraham, and Jesus from the Quran, but want to know more about Jesus. Um, they, we will be doing follow-up with them. Three other leaders went out two by, sent their team out two by twos, according to Luke 10, with nine people from their Jamats, and they went to four villages, shared the gospel with 79 people. They started from the beginning about Adam and Eve's sin and the consequences impacting humanity. The wages of sin is death. Muslims understand the idea of sacrifice for their sins, so they shared about Jesus being the perfect sacrifice, the korbani, uh, for our sins. Family, uh, the family head had an eye problem that was healed with prayer. He and his family began to to feel a physical peace come over them and the entire household came to faith. There it gives their names. And now they're attending one of our jamats. I could go on and on. Folks, that's from your family right there. That's modern day. That's happening today. Luke 10. Now, you know, when I, when I got these testaments, I asked them to send, you know, hey, give me, give me some updates, you know, some testimonies. When I read those, you know, my first reaction was when I read those things. First thing was like, God, awesome, you know. But then I just stepped back. And I just said, as a matter of fact, we have a Zoom call with these leaders coming this week, um, the elders do. And what am I going to say if they say, Steve, send us some testimonies from Crossroad. That's sunk deep. Send us over to encourage these families send us some testimonies and do you know right now around the world the christian church that's being persecuted you know what they are all what's happening is the, um, the reality of the strength of the american church is being revealed and around the world christians are praying for america for the strengthening and guess what most of these people are praying that you would be persecuted what so you can be strengthened like them right now, don't, again, don't, let, don't take that as a condemnation. Don't take that as, right? It should jolt you at the core of your being if you know Jesus. And it should cause me to step into it. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Let the testimonies rise. Show us, God, we need you to come and do a big work in your church, God. Start with me. Start with me, right? So, Father, thank you, Lord, for your word this morning and... Um, Lord, increase our faith. Holy Spirit, may you move. May we follow your lead. Even now, Lord. Even now. Even now, Father. And Lord, I know there's great testimonies. I've heard them. I've seen them. I've experienced them. But Lord, more. More, God. Father, more risk-taking for your kingdom. Show us how, Lord, to be, equip your people, Lord.
help each other, encourage each other, and to just, Lord, desire to be in the game, Lord, for your glory, God. Holy Spirit, move now. Let there be no condemnation. Let there let's just bind the enemy's lies that is going out right now, Lord. And Father, may we all, rather than stepping back, may we all step forward this morning. Increase our faith, God. Show me what discipleship looks like. Show me what this next step looks like, God. I want more of you, God. Father, if there's anybody here who's just, just wondering, Lord, they don't have that peace, that overwhelming peace we even heard from this testimony. Just, it was a tangible peace that just settled on that house. Lord, I, just, I pray right now, if somebody's watching, somebody's here, and they don't have that peace that their name is written in heaven, they are a child of God, they've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray for that peace. Just fall, Holy Spirit. Just fall. Now, um, let's just let's hear see what the Holy Spirit has. If you, you have a testimony, um, something you want to share, if you have a word, um, man, encourage us this morning, just as the Lord leads. My name is Bucky, and I uh, have a relationship with Pastor Steve. I'm a pastor, actually, in Orange County, California. And I was fortunate enough, my father bought a place here when I was 10, so I've been skiing here for many, many years. And I'm so thankful in coming here over the years that this church has been planted as a light for this city. And I can see, you know, the impact that you're having. Uh, just the other day, my friends and I were uh, eating at the Ritz-Carlton here and having a nice lunch our waitress's name was Lulu, and Lulu told us her story. She was persecuted in Indonesia, and she had to flee and leave. And tears welled up in her eyes as she talked about her twin daughters that she hasn't seen for 14 years. And we were able to share that we were Christ followers, that we wanted to be praying for her. And just as Steve said, the Holy Spirit <laughs> nudged me and said, hey, don't talk about it, do it right now. And so right at the Ritz-Carlton there, we gathered, and we put our hands on Lulu. We prayed for her that she'd be reconciled to her family, that she'd be able to go back to Indonesia and be united with her beloved daughters, and that God would do a work and send her back as a light to her nation. And I just, I guess the word I'm hearing from Steve today is that we don't just have to go over there. The nations are here. <laughs> they're right here at the Ritz-Carlton. They're right here in this community. And you guys are light and salt to that community. And so I'm, I'm, I was proud to say, hey, Lulu, you've ever been to Crossroads? There's a great church, a great people that would love you and help you through this. So thank you for being that church here.
the Crossroads family. I've been uh, part of this church for uh, it's almost 20 years ago. I sat in the back there and um, thought I was just here for a few months to play some rugby and um, ended up living uh, uh, eight, nine years here and being a part of this wonderful church. And um, what Pastor Steve is trying to implant in us every week is real. It's true. I tell you, we, we came here knowing the goodness of the Lord, telling people about the goodness of the Lord, and He has overwhelmed us with His blessings. I cannot tell you what the Lord has done in our lives. And it's been amazing to just be with friends who you know, have been on this journey with us together and seeing what God has done. But God didn't bring you to this town to be comfortable. God didn't bring you to this town to enjoy the beautiful snow. Yes, that's, that's, that's like the little bonus part. The real reason God has equipped you with the personality you have and the gifts that you have and the love that you have is to be about His business. And Jesus understood that as a little boy. I'm about my Father's business. So I want you to rethink your day. I want you to rethink the spring break, this town you live in. And what am I doing here to be around my Father's business? Because just enjoying the beauty, God doesn't need you. He could take you home right now to be in heaven and you can go enjoy beauty. He's put you on this earth to be about His business. And we learned today about being discipled. And I encourage you to take the opportunity, find somebody to disciple you. Pastor Steve and I were recently recalling we had get together at 6 o'clock in the morning. He invited us to pray with him. And, you know, that's not the most exciting thing at 6 o'clock on snowy mornings to get together to pray. But the Lord answered those prayers. The Lord heard those prayers. He still is answering those prayers. So I uh, love you guys and love this church. And uh, let's not grow weary. Good. Amen. just um, I was feeling that the Holy Spirit was leading me to read something is that okay uh, 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 um, I just kept hearing this morning my spirit uh, that we're living epistles and I'm gonna be bold um, that your ministry you are on fire the Lord is doing a new thing may I I get really nervous <laughs> you're just God is truly um, allowing you a new season to be on fire for him and the Lord says I delight in you I delight in many of you um, to be bold because you know and he has shown you the people that he has called you to pasture and he has put boldness in you with love just stand because he stands with you many will leave but you know who you've been called to pastor pastors have walked in everything that they have been called to preach in this season 
promise that God is with you guys. And that you're not one, but you're two. And you can take down armies for the kingdom of God. Your church has been called to, like that verse that said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And, the, and I just want to read this. Are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ. And even though this is for many of you, I feel like the Holy Ghost is really pointing you guys out. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the results of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Your pastors have God's hearts. So open your heart as a church. Support your pastors. We are conflict of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualifications come from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. Hey, real quick. Um just to close us out, I just want to pray for us. I want to pray for us and send us out today. Um, thank you, everyone, for the, those. Bucky, thank you. Clint, thank you. As Asani, is that right? I think I got it from last week. Um, thank you guys for sharing. And there may be more who want to share. And if you want to share, uh, please come find us afterwards. Um, or if you want a prayer for this uh, to be sent out, please come and find one of the leaders up front. We'd love to pray with you. Um, but I shared with the elders this week in Acts 13, I've actually been going through that. I've been camping in it for quite a while and just looking at all the, all the times in Acts 13 that, they're, that Paul is talking about. Paul and Barnabas are talking about sharing the gospel. And it's, it's, it's shocking. Over a quarter of the time in, in Acts 13, their, their mission and goal was to share the gospel. And as we were praying in our group last week, I just heard the Lord say, be a super spreader of the gospel. What a contradiction to this day and age of, of the word super spreader, you know, that's going around. We, we, should, we should be a super spreader, and uh, we should be having super spreader events of the gospel, sharing the gospel. And as you look in this, in, in Acts 13, as Paul and Barnabas were sharing the gospel in the synagogue, it said that those that came, when, they were, when they were leaving the synagogue, they came to them and begged them to come the following week and share more of the gospel with them. And it said that the next week, that nearly the entire town 
came to the synagogue to hear the message, to hear the gospel, the good news. Amen. And so as we think about our town, I think is just tying this in what what Derek had us pray for early on about praying for the impossible. When we think about our town, I think all of us would admit, we think maybe that's impossible, okay? But it's not, amen? It's not, it's not impossible. And as we see, as we see this testimony, that it was possible that nearly the entire town came. And so I just want to encourage us in that as we go out today. And, and I was also convicted by this, and I just want to leave this with you, that I was in this town for nearly 15 years, and no one in this church, I, I didn't cross anyone in this church. No one in this church shared the gospel with me for 15 years as I was in this town. Until my wife, until I met my future wife at the time, my wife now, Becca, who invited me to this church. And, and, and the Lord just transformed my life. And so there's people out there that, that have never met you, which is shocking to think about in this tiny little town. And, and I just want to say, I don't care if it doesn't matter if you're visiting. Um, Bucky just showed us that. That was an awesome testimony. It doesn't matter if you're visiting or long, long term here. You can go and share the gospel. Paul and Barnabas were visitors in, in Antioch when they came and shared this in the synagogues in Pisidia. And the entire town came. So that's for all of us. So let me just pray for us to be sent out today with that, with that in mind. Um, and tell, hey, have you heard what God has done? Amen. Lord, I just praise you for this, this message this morning, this fellowship, Lord God, your presence. Lord, I thank you for, for this time together. Lord God, for our faith to be built up. I thank you for these words that have been spoken. Lord, may they be so. And uh, Lord, I just thank you, God, uh, for the opportunity that we have to be the light, to share the, the good news of what you've done in our life, Lord God. And I just thank you, Lord, that that would ooze out of us, Lord, no matter where we are, no matter um, what town we're in, Lord God, that the, the goodness of you would come, come forth in us, Lord God, and, and be shared the good news be spread, Lord, throughout this town and others, Lord God, that we encounter. So, Lord, we praise you this morning, Lord. I just I just pray that over us this morning that we would be super spreaders of your gospel, Lord God, that there would be something ignited in us, Lord God, to have that unction, that, that zeal, that desire to spread your good news, Lord, that you've placed in us, Lord, for this purpose, to exalt you, to glorify you, to worship you in all, all things. So, Lord, we praise you for this time this morning, God. Thank you for your fellowship with us, Lord. And, uh, Lord, may you send forth your Holy Spirit in each one of us, God. Empower us. Strengthen us, Lord God. We receive you. Will you say you are good and perfect? Your gifts are good and perfect. Your love for us is good and perfect. Lord, your revelation is good and perfect. And, Lord, you have made us righteous, Lord, by your work. And Lord, we go forth, Lord God, giving you all the praise and glory for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.